Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800 657 4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online to agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving higher. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. I've got a guest on here that talking about the one thing in uh in in the ag community that I think is the most commonly discussed thing, and that's land values and cash rent. I got Chris Bauman here from, he's a founder of Common Ground, formerly known as Cash Rent. Chris, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the time. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too, man. So this is, this is the one topic that I, I never hear anybody stop talking about, and that's what cash rents are, what land values are, and those kind of things. And as you take a look uh, what's going on around in the world, there's a lot of things that are kind of flowing into that. But before we get into that, Chris, why don't you talk a little bit about your background, mm-hmm. how you got here today, and then, uh, you know, what, what Common Ground is. Yeah, so uh, just kind of been a lifelong entrepreneur and uh, a lot of uh, real estate and construction background, mainly real estate, and, uh, you know, born and raised here in central Illinois, actually Morton, Illinois. It's the pumpkin capital of the world. A little fun fact for you. And, uh, yeah, just really had some early on successes with buying and selling some companies and um, real estate investing. And my passion really lies in the outdoors and hunting, fishing. Um, and I was lucky enough uh, about, well, 23, about 11 years ago now, I bought my first farm. And I went into it just buying it as a hobby farm. Take the wife, the kids, go out and play, ride four-wheelers, and uh, do some hunting and fishing. And, you know, being a first-time landowner... 
I went, uh, went out there after closing and I met one of the neighbors and uh, first question he asked me, he says, who's going to farm your ground? I said, well, I guess I never really thought of it like that. I just bought it to kind of play. And uh, he's like, well, you know, the guy currently farming it, you know, he's a little, little outdated in his practices. I'd, I'd try somebody up the road. And so I tried the neighbor up the road and I wound up putting a business card in his mailbox and uh, said, give me a call. And we wound up talking and he, uh, he said, hey, I'd love to farm your, your ground. I, you know, it was 160 acres and 52 of it was tillable. So roughly, you know, a third. And uh, I said, okay, how's this work? And he said, well, we're just going to do 50-50. We're going to split all the costs and split all the profits. And, you know, I said, okay, let's, let's give it a go. And uh, we kind of went about that for a few years. And, you know, I started getting, you know, into the seed bills, all the input bills I was getting. And then, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to decipher what's all going on, and I'm getting calls to market my grain. And, you know, I wound up calling my farmer, you know, after running some math. And I said, look, th this isn't really penciling out for me. I think I should be making a little bit more. On top of that, I really don't want to do 50-50 because it feels like I'm a partner in a farming business, and I really shouldn't be a partner in a farming business because that's not my background. Right. And uh, so yeah. he, he said, okay, I get it. I totally understand. And he shot me a cash rental rate. And uh, I said, okay, let me think about it and do my research and I'll, I'll let you know what I want to do. And that's when I discovered, you know, I was curious and like, okay, what is my ground really truly worth? And so I started digging in and doing research and I wound up getting a GPS and I found I had 52 acres instead of 50. So I picked up a couple of tillable that I didn't know I had from, you know, over the years field edges getting pushed back and et cetera. Did some soil samples. And then I started to pull all this fragmented data together and, uh, which was time consuming. It was very time consuming. And, uh, you know, one of the most, you know, I would say applicable resources was the, you know, county averages published through the ag extensions. And, uh, so I kind of took all this data and I said, you know what, best case, you know, find out what somebody's willing to pay. I said, I'm going to sit down with a bunch of farmers. You know, I went to high school with them. I'm friends with them. You know, I'll sit down with them and show them everything I got and say, what would you pay for this farm? And one guy says, well, I'd pay this. And one guy says, I'd pay that. And one guy says, I'd pay this. And I'm like, whoa, wait, we got a huge range here. And what I realized is farming is a business, just like any other business. They have different sizes, different scales, different overhead structures. And every operator has a different risk appetite. Some people are willing to spread, you know, their overhead out over more acres and take less of a margin. And, you know, this really got me thinking of, okay, I'm a real estate investor. You know, I don't let the tenant renting the house tell me what he's going to pay in rent. I set the rent and tell them what they're going to pay. So I just, there was a paradox there that I didn't quite understand. And on top of that, there was no real true tool for price discovery in the agricultural rental space. You know, there was the acre value or the, you know, sure. whatever that was where you could go and look at land values based off of sales comms. But there was a shrouded underbelly of the, you know, ag industry of a 60, 70, $80 billion a year industry with no transparency. And that's where all this was born from. It was, it was out of my frustration and saying, hey, if I can build a tool that provides quick, easy, price discovery for landowners and give them the opportunity to put this on an open, transparent marketplace and bring a little bit of competitiveness to it, we might have something here that will help landowners achieve price equilibrium and maximum ROI. Yeah. And it's going to allow farmers to grow their operations because talking with all my buddies and all my friends, it was like, hey, how do you grow your farming operation? Well, 
it's really hard because land's very expensive right now, right. very capital intensive. So the next best option is to lease ground or rent ground. And that is not an easy thing to do. You got you to gotta have your ear to the rail and know what's going on. And that's the great thing about this platform is not only is it helping landowners find good quality tenant farmers, it's also giving farmers opportunities to have access and a kick at, at growing their operation that they never otherwise would have heard of. So that's kind of the crux of how all this got started. And, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll stop there and let you ask any questions. Yeah. So I think you, you hit on a couple things there. One is the cash rent war that we see every year. Um, when you start talking to farmers, you know, um, typically it doesn't change hands very often um, for the most part. And every once in a while, someone comes into an area and starts throwing money around and and, uh, and, and picks up some stuff that, that someone traditionally had been, you know, renting for a while. But for the most part, whoever rents that, they always have first right of refusal every year or yeah. however long the contract is. And, and they kind of go back and forth. As you As you've looked at this, as you built your system here and you've, and you've kind of put everything together into common ground, what are some of the, the norms that you see that are maybe not as normal anymore after you kind of look at this process? Well, I, I would say the traditional norm is your lease is up and you just say, hey, you know, do you want to sign for another year? And there might be a little bit of banter back and forth of, okay, what should the new price be? And I think as the trend I'm seeing is landowners are getting more pragmatic about this, realizing that I have an asset here that is worth a great amount of value. And I don't necessarily need to, you know, squeeze the farmer to, you know, the top buck and be the high high guy. Right. But it's it's an expensive asset I'm holding here and I wanna maximize it as much as possible. So you know, we have we have a range of customers. People come to our site and they print off cash rentsments. We we get cash rentsments done thousands of times a month, and some of those people print that off and they take it to their farmer and say, "Hey, here's a third party data source that says, you know, this is what it should be. Here's the range, and it's very conservative. And that's fine if they want to do that. Um, but then maybe they have that conversation with the farmer. But I think what we're seeing is the landowners are saying, "Hey." this is where the shift is and this is what i tell the landowner all the time they're like well we're happy with the farmer farmer might be paying 250 and they should be getting 400. okay well have the conversation with your farmer that you're going to put it on an open transparent marketplace go to the site register and bid and as long as you're in the ballpark i'm going to continue to use you but we're going to find out what this asset is truly worth because 99% of the time, when we provide that range in the cash or estimate, it's exceeded the high range of that estimate every single time. Mm -hmm. And we still leave it up to the landowner to say high bid doesn't win. It's your asset. You're in control. You're in the driver's seat. So you go through the farmer profiles. You select the tenant farmer that you see fit. And all, I would say more often than not, high bid does not win. Um, and it's just all the reasons are across the board. You know, it might right. be some little old lady wants to give a 32-year-old kid a shot at growing his operation that's currently farming 700 acres and trying to grow into a two or 3,000-acre grower. Right. You know, so in some cases, it's, hey, the guy that was a high bid, he's 45 miles away from my farm. He's going to come into town, plant, he's going to leave, he's going to come back in, harvest. I want a local guy that's going to drive by every day and clean the, you know, road ditches and mow and, and treat it like it's their own. So I think there's... 
you know, obviously going to be a large transference of land to non-farming landowners, mm-hmm. and they're going to need a resource like this to know how to manage it. Right. So when you look at so two two part question here, when you look at the the number of um, the age of the of the farmer and, and as many farmers that are going into uh, some level of retirement, whether it's they're just scaling back their operation or they're you know absolutely getting getting out of everything altogether and, and you know moving to moving to town, it seems like a lot more guys are not interested in selling their land as much as they are cash renting their land mm-hmm. as a as a revenue source, obviously, and doing those things, but. I guess when you look at that, are your numbers coming up? Are you seeing more people interested, um, retirees kind of coming in and, and wanting to use your... I, I wouldn't say retirees because if, let's just say you've been farming for 40 years. Right. And you're saying, okay, it's time to hang it up, um, but I'm not selling the ground. I'm going to cash flow this and have it be passive income. If you've been doing it 35, 40 years you've got a pretty good idea and a pretty close network of who you're going to let rent that ground. Right. You know, that, that is more the norm nowadays. Um, so I wouldn't say it's just those guys putting it up. What I will say is there's a lot of farmers that use our software because they're purchasing land outside of their footprint that they farm Okay, yeah, that makes sense. See what I'm saying? So we've, yep. we've got farmers in Illinois mm-hmm. that find a good deal in Indiana, yeah, and they buy the farm ground in Indiana, and they'll put it on the site, and they'll find a good quality tenant farmer through our software. So gotcha. that is more of you know the farmer using this on the investment side of things gotcha. than just, oh, I'm retiring. But we, we have had instances where farmers are retiring, and they want to give everybody in the community a fair shake. Right. So it's not like they walk into the coffee shop after retirement and it's like, hey, you didn't even give me a crack at renting your ground. You just gave it to Bob up the road. And so you do get a little bit of that mindset of, mm-hmm. hey, this this takes the burden off of you. Yeah. And you can you can walk into the coffee shop and say, I gave every single one of you an opportunity to rent this ground. Yeah. So. Yeah, that makes sense. When you look at the other thing, I, the cash rent side of this, I was kind of when I was going through your website, I saw too hunting leases. Yeah, that seems to be a big deal. When you, um, it is a big deal because uh, <laughs> everything I want to hunt's leased up. But um, if you if you take a look at at that scenario, how much has that changed your um, your program over the years? Well, considerably, because we started out, you know, with this you know, one dimensional view of, you know, common, common ground was not common ground. It was cashrent.com. Right. And what we found was land brokers started using our software and it was walking a piece of ground with a buyer and saying, Oh, this, this farm's for sale for 500,000. The current cash rent is 200. The cash rent estimate shows it should be getting 375. Let's buy it at 500,000, put it on the site. Get the rent up to three seventy five and inherently raise the value of the asset that you just paid five hundred for. Now it's worth more because the cap rate on the rental side is higher. So brokers, land brokers, and land professionals started using this as a tool to help buyers and uh, really expand their tool set for for their clients. And then shortly after, it was like, well, I get asked for hunting leases all the time, and and we've got these absentee landowners that are leasing ag ground, but they've got, you know, 
85 or 100 acres of tillable and there's 65 timber on there that's got great deer and turkey hunting. Would you like to lease that out and increase your ROI even more? And talking with all these land brokers, it was, well, we get asked about hunting leases all the time, but there's really no good way to have that conversation because it's like, yeah, I might know a guy that'd want to lease that, but like, how am I going to, how am I going to get paid? Like, why am I taking the time to do this? And so we just got asked like, Hey, if you're doing agricultural leases through this, you know, marketplace, why can't you do hunting leases? So it was, it was a very easy fit for us. And then along came, well, if you can do ag lease auctions and you can do hunting lease auctions, can we, you know, build for sale auctions within the platform as well? So we built and expanded our tool set. And that's when we rebranded to Common Ground because we weren't just cash rent anymore. And we saw the same exact thing happen with hunting leases that we have with farm ground leases. Because, you know, first area we started doing hunting leases was in Indiana. We met with a group of brokers and said, what is, what is, a good hunting lease for deer and turkey go for in the state of Indiana. 25, 30 bucks an acre. That's what everybody said. And these are the land professionals. We started leasing hunting leases in Indiana and they were going for 55, 65, $70 an acre because it was opened up to a much wider audience that was willing to pay for said lease. So we were getting calls from Pennsylvania, from Mississippi, and it just opened up that that pool instead of putting an ad out in the paper or just throwing it out on Facebook locally. So we saw the same thing happen. And the big results for the brokers is they're getting 50, 60, 70 phone calls of people that are interested in leasing. And it's like, well, are you interested in leasing? You know, if you don't get this one, are you looking to purchase? It's like, yeah, well, I eventually want to purchase if you found me something like this. So they're getting really, really warm leads coming in for buyers as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's been great for their business to get into the hunting lease. Yep. Okay, so the next question I have for you would be so cash rent, and you're figuring that out. How do you, how do you go about figuring out what, what cash rent is? How do, you, how do you establish that value? You're saying through the cash rent estimate? Yeah. So we basically take a list of localized factors. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll take, it's basically a, a recipe, if you will, which takes a lot of different data points into consideration. And, you know, I don't want to specifically discuss them all, but, um, sure. no, you know, that's yeah. kind of the secret right. sauce. Secret but, sauce there, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah we, we basically built an algorithm to say, this specific field with this, you know, in Illinois, it's PI, Productivity Index, it's CSR2 in Indiana or Iowa. So we take the soil ratings in this location for this county with, you know, these yields on historical data. Mm-hmm. And then we utilize like input pricing and commodity prices to basically generate out a range. And we, and we did it with a range because there's always certain specific factors to each individual farm that you might not know about that maybe the landowner doesn't even know about. You could you could have an 80 flat black that might be one range. You could have that 80 with flat black might have tiling that increases yields and incre- we don't know if it's tiled or not. So we give that range to say on the low end you should be getting this, on the mid range you should be getting this, on the high range you should be getting this. And as I told you earlier, Nine times out of ten, it's probably 99 percent out of a hundred. You know, it exceeds the high range. We're very conservative because what we found is 
when when you open up into a competitive marketplace, things get competitive quickly, and it it just works. Our average increase for a landowner is thirty nine and a half percent. We've been doing this three years. Yeah, I saw your your testimonials there that that are going across on the cash uh, rent estimate uh, page, and and what they were what they're showing them is, I mean, heck, here's one guy that was. You got six hundred twenty dollars an acre, and he's previously getting three hundred sixty dollars. Well, and that's kind yeah. of a flyer. That is that was not the norm. I mean, yeah, six hundred twenty on that ground. There were two guys just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So there were two guys that really wanted that. Yeah, to get it up to six twenty, that is a flyer. Right. You know, yeah. That six twenty, you're gonna, you're not gonna, you're not gonna make any money. So, uh, <laughs> exactly. But yeah. typically, yeah. typically. You know our auctions run competitive, but there's there's always four, five, six people kind of in that same range. I mean, we just did some in Iowa, um, and there were three, four bidders all between five hundred and five ten, and it, it's decent ground. And and we did a couple here in in Illinois that was the same thing. We hit you know four ninety to five ten was the bulk of the the range, and you know we averaged twelve bidders per property, so twelve unique. Farmers are bidding is our average. Some have six, some have eighteen, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, but it combines into roughly, on average, about seventy bids. Um, but it's always a soft close auction. So the guy that you know is the eBay expert that wants to put in a five hundred bid with one second left, it resets it and adds fifteen minutes to the clock. Right. And you know, inevitably, you see just a, a linear, you know increase in the bidding and then with the last half hour at hockey sticks and everybody says this is my highest and best i'm tapping out and that's when you know that's that's the genius of this is that's what it's worth and i've got four very qualified or five very qualified farmers willing to pay that so you pick who you want you've got a list of 12 to go from right so and it we had a guy in indiana he uh, he inherited some ground. It was him and his sisters, and he was getting two hundred dollars in rent. And he said, "Hey, I saw one of your podcasts that you did. I love what you're doing. We just inherited this ground, and we want to put it on the site. Great." He got three eighty five, and he took a bid of two seventy five. He left one hundred and ten dollars on the table, and I was like, "That's your choice." And he's like, "Yeah, it's a guy currently farming it." I'm going to come up 75 bucks. I'm happy. The 100 bucks, split it three ways between my sisters and pay tax. It's not that much. I wanted to keep the same guy on there, but at yeah. least I got him up 75 bucks. I'm like, yeah. cool, as long as you're happy. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's the that's unique thing about some of the, the relationships that are that are yeah. built in the ag community. You know, they're... That's a good a good example of that you know not everybody is out to get the, the highest dollar they want the best person or the person that they want to give a shot to to help grow you know literally nine out of ten times high bid does not win yeah yeah it was pretty unique yeah pretty unique anywhere else that would be completely opposite but correct in the ag community it's but that's where we set it up unique. that way you know yeah. it's it's not like I'm sitting in a high rise in Chicago I I live in the middle of cornfields and bean fields and like I, a lot of my friends farm and mm -hmm. you don't want to disrupt those relationships no. Well, you but yep. you, you, it is a business. You you need that. The farmer needs to make money, but the landowner needs to make money. And right. you know, I had this conversation with a guy yesterday. He owns eighteen hundred acres in Iowa, and his taxes. Everybody across the board in Iowa, their taxes went up roughly thirty percent. Yeah, because if if land values are increasing, yeah, 
and then they're going to get reassessed. Oh, my taxes just went up 30%. Well, why is my rental rate not increasing 30% to offset my costs as a landowner to carry this ground? Right. So, and, you know, I you can assume that I always, you know, get, oh, well, you're driving up rental rates. And it's like, I don't set the rental rates, man. <laughs> like, right. I, just, I just provide the software in a marketplace. It's, yep. I just put it out there. And, you know, I talk to a, a lot of growers a lot of times. And, we've, you know, we've got a lot that, that here locally that believe in what we're doing. And we meet with them on a regular basis. And, you know, I explained to one guy that, you know, he said, I'm driving up rental rates. I said, well, what do you think that does for the value of your ground? He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, if you've got two farms right next to each other, you own one and an investor buys it, and it was previously getting that 200, just that example we talked about, of when you raise the rental rate, you increase the value of that farm on a cap rate basis. When that investor goes to sell it, he bought it at 500, doubled the rent, and now he's selling it at eight or 900. That's a comp for your farm next door. Right. So it's increasing your balance sheet, and when you suppress rental rates... You're suppressing an entire asset class. Yep, no, that's so, true. And I, it's the same. I mean, what you the, what you're describing there is very similar to what we do on the on the uh, used equipment side of the business. When we're sitting there looking at equipment values and going through that whole process of what's it worth, you know, because I, I look at it. Me, used equipment to me is no different than your land. It's a commodity, right? Absolutely. It's, it's something that, that someone is willing to pay for, and whatever they're willing to pay for that day, that's what the price that's of it is worth. <laughs> and you have an auction, same same scenario. You have an auction, you throw it out there, you have 100 different people bid on this this piece of equipment, and it, it's like you said, it starts out very linear, kind of climbing up, and then it you know crescendos at the end, and, yeah. and somebody says, all right, I'm out. This is what I'm willing to pay for it. And then you start to establish what that what that's worth. And the same thing, even if you go back onto the, like the rental side of equipment thing, it's the same difference, right? You start looking at yep. what's my cost to hold, what's fuel costs, what are maintenance costs, da, 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 all those things come into play. It's very similar. And it's it's not any different other than the fact that you're you're dealing with a, a non-depreciating asset and <laughs> yeah. I I'm I'm working with something completely different. So it's but it's the same yeah. same scenario when you look at it from that perspective. There's no real difference there. And when you're, if you go back 20, 30 years ago, when everybody had a, a fast line magazine or a, an old tractor house catalog or, or yeah. the, the classified ads or whatever it was, you had a very defined amount of people that were going to see what you had to offer. Absolutely. And you, didn't, and you didn't have that blanket where now you're getting a more, you can say, hey, these things are doing these things. But at the end of the day, you're actually, the reason more people are, these prices are coming up just because more people are seeing it and you have a more competitive space. If you if you had a used combine and you personally wanted to sell it and you went to three farmers and said, I'm selling this combine, what would you pay me for it? And they're all local versus putting it out on the internet and advertising yeah. it across the entire Midwest, you're going to get completely different results. Yeah. And that's... That's the trend that I'm I'm really trying to shift is because if you go back and, and like you said, you know, twenty years ago with your tractor house catalog and you know, going through it like that, well what was the radius that a farmer would farm twenty years ago, thirty years ago? You yeah, know, wasn't very far. Wasn't very far. It was hyper localized. Yeah. It was ten yeah. miles, fifteen miles. Mm -hmm. Well, now we see farmers traveling sixty miles, seventy miles 
because they're growing their operations and they're farming here and then they're growing it in a swath and they're farming you know from point a to point b to point c right. so when you when you open up and kind of you know blow the whole hyper localization out of the water you know you're going to get a higher bidding pool and that's going to inherently bring more competition and higher prices yeah yeah it's a uh it's definitely a, a different era than we went into. And you start looking at the amount of technology, and you talked about data and those kind of things. And I'm sure the amount of data that you have available on these on these pieces that your that your auction office is grows every time you go back and do it, just because of what's being produced. Yeah, and and to that, every time something is leased, it feeds back into our algorithm for the estimate. Because we know, okay, this this piece of ground with this productivity index in this county just leased and got these top four bids of this, that can backfeed into the equation and help our data constantly be refined to be able to give a real time estimate that is as accurate as possible. And I you know, I joke with all everybody all the time. I I, I personally believe that our government is the most efficient, well oiled machine in you know, the history of mankind, but uh, uh, the USDA data is, uh, it's, it's a bit stale, yep. you know, and it's self-reported. So, you know, let's mail all the farmers a survey and just, you know, write down on a card what you, what you pay an average cash rental rate and then mail it back to us and then we'll compile it and it'll get out a year later and it's just garbage data and it's, it shouldn't even be out there for public consumption. So, um, you know, our goal is to be the data source for what is the real-time rental rates and we're getting more dynamic every single day and working towards, you know, if you come on and do a cash estimate today, you could come on and do that same farm a week later, two weeks later, three weeks later and it's different. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the that's also the beauty of technology too, and the and the information flow is that you're having you get the latest greatest <clears throat> information in front of you. That way, you're making good decisions on what's but, out there. And the ag community has just absolutely loved. Oh, I I, I love transparency. I want to know. I want to know transparency in my seed pricing. I want to know transparency in equipment pricing. I I want to know transparency in chemical pricing. But when it comes to rental rates, they don't want any transparency. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you, you can't have it both ways here. And, you know, when when these, these farmers are embracing technologies, you're on the equipment side of things. You know way more than me about how technology and has increased yields. You've got GMO seeds. You've got equipment that is, you know, harvesting 20 30% more and not dropping it on the ground. So... These farmers are embracing technology in the cab and reaping the benefits. Yeah, it costs more. It's not a one-to-one increase, but they're wanting price transparency in their input pricing. But if these farmers utilize this properly, they can really, really use this to grow their operations. Yep, for sure. All right. From a geographical perspective, where where does where do most of your areas come from, and, and do you have inquiries to lease land all over the country or is it pretty centralized or kind of where you I would say 90% of what we do is in the Midwest I mean we lease ground in Minnesota South Dakota 
um, Iowa, Illinois is our big one just because we're from here and in the central part of the state. Indiana, Missouri, um, done a few in Arkansas, but it, it's all, for the most part, it's all row crop, corn and soybeans. Um, but we're expanding. We've leased ground in New York. We've leased ground in California. Um, we're rolling out our cash estimate tool in about 14 or 15 other states um, over the next few months. So I, like Pennsylvania, Maryland, you know, some of these non-traditional, like when you're from the Midwest, you're like, oh, they don't grow anything in Maryland. Yeah, they, they do actually. Yeah, they grow quite a bit. So, yeah. so yeah. We started in the Midwest. We can facilitate leases. You know, the beauty of technology is we can facilitate leases anywhere in the United States. So it doesn't matter. We've done hunting. We've done hunting leases in Texas. Uh, you know, so we're we're very agile in that respect. But you know, we started in the Midwest. That's that's where we're the strongest. Right on. All right. Last question here, and we'll get it wrapped up. As you take a look at going through twenty three into twenty four, as you take a look at. Um, kind of what you're seeing right now as far as uh, how the economy is shaping up and commodity prices and all those kind of things. What are your thoughts about how cash rent is going to play out in 2040? Do you see increases, decreases? Kind of what are your thoughts there? Well, I mean, like I said earlier, my crystal ball is slightly fuzzy, but I, I think you. we're going to have, I think we're going to remain in an inflationary environment through at least the mid part of um, 24. That's just my best guess off of off of what I'm seeing, I think you're going to see rental rates continue to increase just because there's such a disparity in what's actually being paid versus what these farmers are actually willing to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I think there's some factors that are going into that that these farmers are realizing, hey, I've got to grow my operation. Like maybe margins are getting squeezed. That means I got to farm more ground. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's just the law of, of large numbers at that point for them. Um, I also think, you know, we didn't we didn't touch on this, but um, I worked with Hudson uh, Insurance Group. Um, they now offer a private product uh, that they call the CLIP. It is a cash lease insurance protection um, policy. It's exclusive through Hudson. But basically, I had farmers... And and you can appreciate this because they're signing leases right now for 2024. Mm-hmm. And when you're signing a lease at $510 an acre today, not knowing what the price of corner beans is going to be in the right. fall of 24, yeah. that's a pretty big matzo ball hanging out mm-hmm. there. And, yeah. and I saw the opportunity to say, okay, in these high rental environments, how can we create a product to protect that farmer and give them an option to insure a portion of their rent. So it's it's a very unique product where if utilized properly, you can you can get aggressive and rent ground and and go after it for the high buck. But then you, on the backside you can start to buy insurance to say, "Hey, I want $75 of this rent covered. I'm willing to pay X number of dollars per acre, but if the price of corn goes to 480, you're covering that $75. My insurance kicks in. So it really allows the farmer to get creative. And through an insurance product, they really don't have to market that grain anymore. They're just buying a, a rental protection policy to say. Yeah. And, and they could cover up to the full. If they're renting for $500, they could buy $500 worth of coverage. Right. And they can layer it in. One day they could buy $50 worth of coverage. The next day they could buy $75. Two weeks they could see the price of corn go up and they could buy another 50 Because they want to buy that insurance when the commodity's up, 
and then basically set the floor to where if it drops, the insurance will kick in and pay the indemnity. So I think coupled with that product, once this product gets out there and people start realizing, it just launched in August, end of August of this year. So it's it's relatively unheard of. Mm-hmm. But I think you're going to find aggressive, progressive you know, growers that are savvy. I think you're going to see them utilize this clip product through Hudson to really go after it and get aggressive. And, and I think it's going to push rental rates a little higher, honestly. Right on. Okay. Well, that's, I would have never thought of something like that, but that's that's a pretty ingenious uh, way to look at your, your rental thing, I guess. It's no different than buying hedges and puts and calls and all that kind of stuff. When it you're, takes, it you're takes that stuff. out of it, you know. Yeah. And, and yeah. the pricing is, is there less to where, you know, you get a hold of your Hudson agent and they can sit down and run the calculator with you and say, hey, you've got this much exposure. That's that's what your exposure is. This is what you know. Federal doesn't cover. Like this is the red zone. Let's let's layer in this clip policy to really protect what's flapping out in the wind. Yeah. So, and what we see is banks are going to start to really push it because these banks yeah. are nervous as cats in, in a high rental rate environment. Yeah. And it's going to be like, hey, you want an operating line, and you're paying five ten in rent. No different than homeowners insurance when you got a mortgage. Like, right. hey, we'll, we'll loan you the money, but if that house burns down, it's it better be insured. So right. we'll right. give you an operating line right. on this ground for five hundred and ten dollar rent, but you need to pick up a certain percentage of insurance on this to make sure if things go south, the insurance kicks in and pays a portion of your rent, and we stay whole and you stay whole. So I think you're going to see the banks really start to push this as as a condition of you know. This is a part of your loan for an operating line or whatever the case may be. Absolutely. So. Well, Chris, great conversation, man. This is this is a real unique concept you have here, and I, I think that this is going to change the way that, you know, as we move forward in this, people look at, at cash rents and how that works. So if folks want to reach out to you and get more information about uh, Common Ground, what's the best way to do that? Just shoot me an email. You can shoot me an email at chris at cashrent.com or chris at commonground.io. Um, reach out anytime, call the number on the site. Um, it comes right to my cell phone. So I'm a, I'm a hands-on white glove type service guy. So you're not going to get a secretary. You're you're not going to get a switchboard. You're going to, you're going to get my cell phone and, uh, talk to me anytime. Appreciate the time. Yeah. Appreciate it. So just go to common ground, just like it's spelled, just like it sounds dot IO and you can get all the information there. Um, got a nice website showing all the different leases that are up available and, and uh, all the contact information there as well. So Chris, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. We'll uh, talk to you soon. Casey, thank you. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast and go over to the YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Go to Moving Iron LLC for everything Moving Iron related and uh, have some big announcements coming out here in the next couple of months about that. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Chris Ballman. It's going to be some folks. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online to agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. 
TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's IronComps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century.